the question is, um, you. this is obviously a, a Netflix uh, production and it's coming out very shortly after uh, it has it, it, its run in the cinemas. It seems like a good collaboration at the moment between TV or um, internet uh, companies with uh, films, with, with the, the film industry. Um, so, um, and there are of course some people who are naysayers. So what would you think, um, will, will we need to at some point redefine perhaps what is cinema? Well, uh, <laughs> you're looking at me. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I think we're redefining it now in, in such a way, uh, I think it's uh, not just an evolving of cinema, but it's a revolution. Uh, I mean, it's as even bigger than the revolution that sound brought to cinema. Uh, it's the revolution of cinema itself back 120 years ago, 115 years ago. It's a new, and we say the new technology, we bring in the things that are unimaginable and how not only um, is it um, something extraordinarily good, but it opens up a whole, the, 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 um, the original conception of what a film is and where it's to be seen has now changed so radically that we may have to say, okay, let's say there might be obviously virtual reality films, there's holograms, there's all sorts of things that are going to be coming that we don't really know. So, in effect, one thing we, one thing that will never, um, uh, uh, something that, that should always be protected as much as possible, and I think will always be there, is a communal experience. And I think that's best in a theater. Now, homes are becoming theaters too. <laughs> but it, it, it's it's a major change. How to prepare for a Netflix and chill day. Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent here with Kevin, Kat, and Dave. Hello. 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 In person again. Woo. Wild. It's great. Back to back. Mm. Feels like early 2020. This week, Netflix and Kill. It's been a minute since we've talked about anything on Netflix. I feel like that ends up being one of the lesser discussed streaming services. Um, for a couple of different reasons, not because there isn't tons of great stuff on there, but just the way it's geared, I think, sometimes and the way we approach what we're watching and talking about. Sometimes we don't end up there as much. But Netflix this year is releasing 71 new movies, which is crazy. And there are a couple of brand new movies that caught our attention, both foreign productions and both mostly foreign language. Dave, you came in hot on a recommendation for Blood Red Sky, which I hadn't heard of until you brought it up. Tell us about this movie. Blood Red Sky uh, is directed by Peter Thorwarth. I think that's how you say it. <laughs> Sounds very Game of Thrones. <laughs> it does. Uh, Sir Thorwarth. It, it stars uh, Perry Baumeister, who I had thought was Numi Rapis the entire Rapace. time. Um, and it made me like like the movie more because I thought it was her. Uh, but now I have another uh, you know favorite actress, and that is Perry Baumeister. Um, it also has Dominic Purcell, which I, I looked up, and 
I recognized him from something that I knew and I couldn't do you, you, you ever do that like you recognize someone and then you look at their IMDB and you don't see the thing that you recognize them from mm-hmm. he was that dude and uh, I thought the little kid uh, Carl Anton Koch as Elias uh, did a really good job uh, this is basically a movie set on an airplane and it's a movie on an airplane with terrorists and vampires amok um, it sounds like it could be a recipe for a lot of camp and, and a lot of stupidness, but it's a very well done movie. I, I can't help but compare it to Train to Busan. Um, and I recently also watched Terror Train. And these movies that are set on these traveling vehicles like this, Terror Train uh, 1980 had claimed to be have the most effective gore and and their gore scenes looked the best because they had a c- controlled environment. So they weren't like, you know, shooting outside and inside and the lights coming through the window or whatever. They're in a controlled space where they can light everything exactly the way they want. And I thought that was interesting watching something uh, from 1980 uh, doing that and then watching something in 2021. Although this does, they go to this like lower hatch of the plane where it gets kind of dark and, and all that. But this also stars um, Calvin, Trent's dog, <laughs> uh, which I was psyched about. That's mostly what started me on talking about this movie was I was watching the movie. And uh, so there's one vampire on the plane and she is in tow with her son who's kind of like, helping her out uh you don't know she's a vampire right off uh it just seems like she's sick and her son is there uh to help her and facilitate all this stuff with the luggage and everything at the airport and um you can just tell like right off that elias is like super solid so they're on the plane and this like heist thing is more of a heist thing than a terrorist thing um because they're trying to make it look like a terrorist thing, but they're, they're actually robbing it. And the plane is going uh, to America, um, and this vampire lady is hoping to get treatment uh, from a doctor in America uh, to treat her blood and her bone marrow to maybe not be a vampire. Um, we never find out that part, but I love this movie. Uh, I thought the vampire was very Nosferatu. thought she was very scary and very cool, and like the way she switched between being cognizant of what's going on and and the panic and also being a vampire and like losing control. Uh, I really bought that, like the way she did that all throughout. Uh, She would go from having like compassion to being like out of control ravenous. And uh, it didn't, it, it, it arced the way that it should. It didn't um, ever lose sight of either. And, in, until maybe the very end, but it's it was a great movie. Uh, like I said, very trained to Busan. Um, like it had a lot of soul to it. Uh, it was very gory, and the dog gets it. The <laughs> dog gets it. Calvin got it. Poor Cal. Did you ever think that would happen? You think it would um, no, hit home it, like that? <laughs> no, but it was a little weird that in in all of your enthusiasm, 
you kept just coming back to that like one point. <laughs> oh that, yeah, and it's like four <laughs> seconds in the movie. Yeah, yeah, that seemed to be the driving. At some point, seemed to be the driving interest on your part was that the dog that looked just like mine uh, gets it. <laughs> yes. in, in your parlance, I, it made me think like, what? What if like your friend started recommending a movie and they just kept saying like over and over that the character just like your grandmother just just like you he looks like you and he gets it so yeah I thought that was a little strange well um, Kevin I'm going to throw it to you what did you think of Blood Red Sky Uh, this is a great movie it was a great recommendation Uh, it's you talked about a lot of things that have come up recently Dave you talked about the controlled environment we just came off the Romero episode where not a moving controlled environment but like they have the house and like Dawn of the Dead, the mall, Day of the Dead, we'll be talking about Trent, you know, the underground bunker. I like controlled environment movies like that and what they can do. And you mentioned Train to Busan. I would also bring up like Snowpiercer. Yes, I would bring up Snakes on a Plane. Don't. I would literally, I'm, I was waiting for somebody like one of the hijackers to be like, what's up with all these motherfucking vampires on this motherfucking plane? Yep. <laughs> Um, It is an interesting take on the vampire lore. They play around a lot with a lot of the traditional tropes. Definitely bring it back to like a Nosferatu looking vampire. But a lot of the like origins and controlling of it is very modern. Uh, It is. It's too long. Mm -hmm. It's too dark. You you mentioned, Dave, when they go down into some of these like fight sequences um, I, w- I will preface this by saying this was made for under $18 million. This is a hell of a good-looking movie for under $18 million. Mm. Yeah. But it did give me vibes of like Alien versus Predator and like some of these lower-budget like horror action movies because let's, let's not mince words here. This is a horror action movie. And some of the fight scenes and stuff, like I feel like they got away with the budget and some of the effects because it was super, super dark. And I watched this... In my living room at home, which admittedly is a horrible place to watch darkly shot movies. So I went and watched it again in in the studio room that I built, which is very dark and allows me. And it, it is just kind of shot too dark. However, all that being said, typically I would hate a movie like this that stops the action for flashback scenes that give you Nadja, who is the actress, what is it, Perry Baum- Baumeister? gives her backstory like how did this woman end up a vampire with a son with a non-vampire son and how did we get to where we're at i loved that i actually appreciated some of like the chokes they gave it because it's not like a it's almost like a commercial break when you're watching like armageddon or something like oh my god they're landing on the asteroid and we get a commercial I would normally hate that, but I liked the flashbacks in this and how it did kind of choke the action and give me a little bit of how how Nadia got here with, with Elias. I also thought when you could see the gore, really, really brutal movie. I loved the hijacking thing, mostly because they they kept it to like one or two hijackers that you had to give a shit about. And again, normally I would be annoyed that they stuff so many characters in. And at the end of the movie, I could only name like five people. <laughs> but you know what? Eight ball of the hijacking team. Oh. Like I knew that dude. Mm-hmm. Uh definitely knew Nadja, Elias, and and Farid, who is God, what a great character. Um so again, normally I would be really annoyed that you threw all these characters at me and I didn't really care enough about them or understand what was happening to like remember them at the end. But still somehow at the end of this movie I was like, This is a mess. And I could write <laughs> 
totally different reviews of why it's terrible and why it's great. But you know what? I loved it. I think it's totally worth a watch. And Kat, what did you think of Blood Red Ski? I thought this one was a very interesting take on a vampire movie. I don't think I've ever seen one of vampires in the air. Um, So I thought that was very interesting. Uh, Like, what do you do when a vampire infestation takes place in like one of the most stressful, you know, condensed situations that some people can find them. And I know, Kevin, you said you're very good at flying, but I'm not good at flying. So picturing myself being drunk on a plane, because obviously I'd be drunk, um, and then having to deal with a vampire infestation kind of a situation, that'd be fun, uh, but also stressful. I absolutely was getting snakes on a plane vibes <laughs> the whole time. A little scarier, I will say. Um, but I would have loved a Samuel L. Jackson cameo. Absolutely. I wish they had the budget for that. I think that would have been just a, like a really nice like cherry on top to this zombies on a plane situation. Um, I really liked the mother-son dynamic in this one. I feel like we usually see a father and child dynamic, especially in horror, you know, zombie, vampire, blah, blah, blahs, you know, train to Busan, etc. Um, so it was like a nice change of pace uh, to see this kind of dynamic instead, especially because of the state that the, that the mother's in, you know, that you find out about, you know, a little bit later into the film. Um, thinking about how much this little dude loves his mom, um, because it's just been them basically his entire life. And so he's supporting her and he has to kind of take care of what she's going through the whole his whole life, basically. Um, it's very sad, but also semi heartwarming a little bit. Um, but that makes the end all the more heartbreaking. Obviously, it is a horror movie. Um, but I did. I also like the progression of the power and loss of human control that the vampires got, you know, as they started to consume the being. So it's like they started off kind of like normal vampires that we see, you know, just like, you know, hot ones. If you, not that anyone on the plane was really that hot. Like but, Twilight? You know, You're talking Twilight vampires? Uh, well, I wouldn't say Twilight. I was thinking maybe like, a, you know, Lost Boys situation. Like they look kind of weird, but they're still human. But then that progression to like the Nosferatu pointy ear kind of demon looking, you know, vampire. I, I find that attractive as well. I thought she was very, very hot in this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great. Well, now we know Dave's type. Um, but. <laughs> Slide into his DMs. Uh, just slide into those DMs. Um, but yeah, I thought the special effects were very powerful in this movie, uh, whether they were CGI or, or practical or not for the vampires. Obviously, it got a little CGI towards you know the end of their kind of um, transition because their mouths opened real wide and scary. So that was that was very fun for me to watch. But I liked the flashbacks. You know, I thought they were powerful. I liked all the gore. I liked the gory attacks. I liked the vampire fights. I was hoping for some vampire fights, and I was not. I was not um, disappointed at all. Thought overall it was a fun little watch. Uh, you know, with some sad shit, some sp- some little uh, stressful bits uh, sprinkled in. I love this one. I thought this was great. Um, I kind of thought of this while I was watching it as like Mission Impossible to Busan. <laughs> because it's it's very much action horror and and I would um, as far as the Busan thing not just because of the confined public transport environment but because of the parent child thing that also is a similarity with Busan not just the setting but this is very much an action movie and there were points 
and this is two hours. I didn't think it was too long. I thought maybe there was too much going on at points. Like, yeah. definitely, Kevin, you brought up all the terrorists. Um, too many terrorists on the plane. Too it's many. like my new. What's up with all these motherfucking the terrorists on this motherfucking plane? <laughs> yeah, seriously. How many terrorists does it take? Usually, you're trying to. Yeah, you can't go and. Ter- I mean, it's like four. Yeah, so I, I think have, we have to cap it at four. I think that's an, a usual amount when you're plotting something, and they weren't terrorists. Uh, they were do They were pulling a heist. Oh, okay, well that's that's epi- academic. Yeah. They were trying yeah. to make it look like terrorists. Sure. Okay, but but functionally they were terrorists, and they were going to blow up the plane. I mean that is terrorism. If you're invoking terror, I <laughs> yeah, guess were, you are terrorists. They were doing a lot of the same things, but too many of those guys. Um, the main thing, though, that even though I, I loved this movie, that I, I thought was kind of a bummer, and I'm not sure I've really seen this before. I'm sure I have, but the thing is, like. The fact that the main character is a vampire, if you just watched the movie and you didn't know what it was called or anything about it, that would be like the most amazing gag reveal. You would never, like, you would not have known that. But with this movie, if you just pull it up on Netflix between the the description, the little synopsis, between that and the poster, you're like, oh, so this is about a lady. She's a vampire. She's on the plane, but she's actually a vampire. You know that's true. You Thank know, you. going in, so you never get that. Oh. It has the whole scene with her putting on the wig in the beginning and her son talking about her sickness and she's um, like Zoom calling with the doctors. That mm-hmm. would have been, I would have totally bought that if you hadn't had to show me this. But I guess the thing is for this, you know, being a $17 million budget, a smaller movie and being one of 71 new releases on Netflix, I think especially being the genre mashup where it is, very much an action movie as well as a horror. I think you have to sell it to to you have to find your audience in this. You kind of have to let people know that you need those horror fans. You need to let them know that this is a vampire on a plane and you don't want all your action fans necessarily that to be thrown off either. So I think you you unfortunately have to spoil this. I would be curious to know if there were conversations between uh the filmmakers and Netflix about how to market it because the way it was made, you don't know exactly what's wrong with her. You're right. I think it was meant to be. If this was like put out by like A24, and I'm not saying this is an A24 movie, but the trailer would have been so different. Vague. It never would have hinted to action. It never yeah. would have hinted to yeah. vampirism being part of it. It literally would have been like this poor woman and her son are going through something horrible. She just needs to get to this doctor. And then you would have sat down. It's almost like the opposite of an A24 where their trailers are like, this is going to be nuts. Mm -hmm. And then you sit there for 90 minutes and have your mind fucked with. Whereas this one could have been like a subdued trailer. And then you sit down and you're like in a Zack Snyder film. Like it's, see, I I thought of that a lot too. Yeah, I didn't read when you guys are like, watch this movie. I'm like, you got it. And so I didn't, watch any trailers i didn't read any synopsis i just went into it so i had no idea that she was a man. synopsis no of course well, not no i was like good watching this movie going yeah. for it because i like to go in blind wow, you know so jealous. and so yeah. i had no idea what was going on wow, I'm jealous. and so that yeah. was kind of cool i guess comparatively thinking about you guys watching it knowing because i was like oh man she's got leukemia that sucks what's gonna happen on this plane then she gets oh. shot and you're like and i'm like oh no she's dead i literally <laughs> did i was like oh man well I guess she's not the main character. I guess Elias has got this from for the rest of the thing. And then I saw her like slowly, you know, doing the crawl. And I'm like, hold up. Well, that's what What's this movie in, in essence is about is living with vampirism. 
And you guys, you know, you called it an infestation before, which I thought was a little insensitive. I mean, <laughs> vampire is a disease. Mm. These True. people need their True. medicine. They need some bone marrow stuff. They need some blood transfusions. Um, they're still human beings. Well, that's why I was saying, like, it's 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 different. It, it it plays in between different paths of like the vampire mythology, in that some lines of vampire mythology means that you lose your soul. Right. And I like the movies that are like, I guess more like even the zombie movies that are more like, no, this is a virus I or was... a disease. And like in the movie, she is like taking these insane like injections to like keep, I guess, like the vampire cells or whatever they are from taking over her blood. And I also like you mentioned this cat that there's like a certain level that you can hold it off if you are moderating your blood drinking, like how much you're right. consuming, yeah. you can kind of hold it off. Yeah, that was but interesting. But if you, if you give in, you go full, mm-hmm. full feral, like full vampire mode. And, and, and the cancer thing, like the thing that she is like shooting herself up with, which again, I like the flashbacks, but they didn't go in, into detail enough of what she was doing. It's this like cytarabine. It's like an actual chemo drug that she's taking to fight off like the cells. And this doctor she's talking to in New York thinks that he can use radiation. He's like basically treating vampirism like cancer. And he thinks he can do like these radiation treatments to like stop her uh, or get her cells back. And, and Elias just very, when he's talking to Farid at the airport, when he first meets him, talks about the bone marrow thing like, Elias is like obviously wise beyond his years because his mother has been growing up avoiding the sun, uh, trying not to fucking kill people and drink their blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he is very mature beyond his years. He's talking to Fareed like, we're trying to get to New York. My mommy needs to have like her good blood mixed with her bad blood mixed with some good blood and then some bone marrow stuff. And you're like, why does this child know this? So I liked the whole mythology aspect. And, and to be honest, and I do think they leave this open at the end, I would like to see this turn into maybe a franchise. I feel like you would like to see everything turn into a franchise. <laughs> Could be true. Yeah. Could be true. <laughs> Which, you know, hey, if if, you, if it's good, you want to see more. Um, you mentioned the flashbacks. You know, while I was watching it, I kind of, I was feeling like you have this like high octane train to Busan thing. It, it's really, it keeps you on your toes the whole time because every time you think you're settling in and, and you know what to expect, it, it just, it really comes at you fast. But that keeps getting interrupted by all these flashbacks, which is fine in itself, but I just felt like it told so much. They, they had to do so much in the flashbacks and they're already trying to do so much. There's so much set up and all this uh, convoluted stuff with the terrorists. Every little thing they do, every time one of the ten terrorists like goes to the bathroom, you got to have a little thing on that. But um, once you started calling the flashbacks um, the choking action, then I, I started. I was like, oh, that sounds better, you know. Now, uh, mm. um, so I guess you know if you're gonna, you know, if you're gonna think of it that way as a as a dramatic a, a device that heightens those octane sequences, I guess I could. I could buy that. I thought it was a little much, like a little flashback is one thing, but by the time they're like showing her going back to the vampire, you know, like it was getting a little much with the flashbacks. And I just thought it was so overstuffed to begin with. I would have probably not done as much of that, maybe maybe not even half of that, mm. and just focus on this 
awesome, you know, action-packed story that's going on in the sky with the vampires. Like, that would be enough for me with all that, yeah. I thought. But I think it, I think the flashbacks, especially, like, her going back, were important to show that she was very much not interested in being a vampire. Like, she was very much trying to hold it back, you know, for her son or whatever. And so I think that was good to show the progression of where she kind of ends up. It was like the let the right one in vampire. Yeah. And I thought, you know, that this is a cool um, evolution of vampires that you you separate them from zombies because you have the human aspect of it that lately I feel like has, has been more about the human aspect. But you can even argue, you know, like Dracula had his like charm and all that, you know, uh, the whole time while he's a monster. But it's been a while since there's been like a serious vampire movie. I was trying to think of when the last one was. And uh, the last vampire movie that I can think of that was good um, was What We Do in Shadows. <laughs> and that was a comedy. Which was a comedy. And then, yeah. which was a comedy. And then, then I was thinking about how this is like Train to Busan. And I was thinking Train to Busan took a really beat up, worn out, overdone genre of horror and made it fresh again. You know what I mean? So I, I feel like this movie has the potential to do that because we have been a little starved for uh, bloodthirsty vampires. This was, speaking of starved for blood, this was like the um, the drink-counting vampire. This vampire is constantly trying to moderate itself. It drove to the reception or whatever and can't have too much blood, but you need to have some. <laughs> She's got to get through it somehow, but you know, she's always counting. Let's see how long has it been since my last blood. Uh, I don't want to go so, so crazy <laughs> that got to keep the moderation in there. Kevin, I'm sure you want to talk about 8-Ball, the terrorist 8-Ball, who is the best terrorist and really the only one that matters. He was a flight attendant. This, this again, with the terrorists now, not only are there a million, but they've got one that's a flight attendant. They've got a terrorist that's a co-pilot of the plane. Yep. Like this has been the longest range, uh, long ball, long game thing I could imagine. But at, at one point it becomes clear that one of the terrorists you're really going to get to know is named 8-Ball, the, yes. uh, the flight attendant. Alexander Shear plays 8-Ball. This character is one of the most unlikable characters that we've oh, seen. No, I He's liked awesome. him a lot. Yeah, oh, I liked no. him a lot. <laughs> no. Like, right from the drop. He's a hero. I was this attracted is the, to him a little bit. This is the classic, like, psycho character. Like, he, he, he plays this like the Joker. Yes, yes totally. You're very totally. entertaining. I don't want to say I like him, <laughs> but I like him on screen, mm. and I can't wait for him to die. And this character arc and the stuff that he pulls off and how he literally ends up being like the baddest bad of all in the movie, even over, even over Nadia, who is, you know, questionable until a certain point in the movie. Like, she's a vampire. Oh, she likes her son, but she wants to eat some shit. Eight Ball, he just does everything that you think you're going to see in a horror movie that they'll pull back from, Eight Ball does in this movie. So when you see Eight Ball in a scene and you're like, oh man, that guy's not going to do that because this is like a mainstream movie, he just fucking does it. The way they revealed his character was him unscrewing the pink brush. He had like a hairbrush. Yeah. Yes. He had like a bright pink hairbrush and he like unscrews it and it's like actually a knife. There were sequels and spinoffs of this, just eight ball alone. <laughs> I could do I could do with that. 
He would kill the kid every time. He would kill the dog. He would he would choke yeah, the he, kid with the dog. He <laughs> <laughs> was, was almost a little much. Kevin, you mentioned the Joker thing. That was the first thing I thought when he yeah. comes out to the cabin and he's splattered with blood from someone he just manically killed with a knife. And he's like the way he's taking over the plane. You know, usually when you're when you're in this situation, not that I have ever been in this situation, but, <laughs> but usually you want to you want to come out. You want to announce to the cabin that like don't move. You know you want to like you've got it under control. Not like is this flight attendant gone mad? Should somebody tackle him? It just the way he was doing it. But um, it was like you're you're already hijacking a plane. You don't have to also be the Joker. We we get your <laughs> crazy guy. You're about to kill all these people. You could tone it down a little well, bit. But well, one of the more attractive things about him, I think, I, I'm going to guess you guys like this, is he is the anarchist on a team of anarchists. Mm. So he is the hijacker that yeah. these very controlled and measured criminals literally, yes. they, they're like taking his gun away. They're taking his <laughs> knife away. They're like, can you just tone it down dude like we have control of this so he's like there's a group of bad guys and then there's eight ball mm. and then there's a group of civilians and then there's Nadja the vampire mm. and it's like who is going to win this and like i like at the end the unlikely survivors that end up forming our final group um i appreciated that a lot mm. there's always like that friend that you have like i remember once uh it, there was a bar brawl that broke out and everyone's fighting these strangers and everything and then one of our friends walked in and we were all suddenly just like, oh, we need to protect these people from him. That was eight ball. Yeah, he, he was the cowboy. He yeah. was, that's a classic thing in these Loose types cannon. of movies. Like among the group of baddies, they're always like there's always conflicts about like who's too brutal, even mm. for them. Like even though they're going to blow up 100 people, you always have to have this hierarchy of like, uh, come on, man, leave, leave her alone. Like I... <laughs> Leave her alone. You're going to blow her up yeah, if your plan what? is successful. You're telling him he can't have a little fun here on the way down. I mean, what? Where's the morality oh. of like leave the kid? Don't don't mess with the kid, man. Yeah. Oh, I I <laughs> love eight ball style, man. He was so savage. Ugh. I couldn't I mean, believe it. He would just go for like the lowest of the low, the smallest child, like kill the mother of the kid, like right in front of him. Like he'd kill Calvin. Ruthless. Oh He'd yeah! Snap Calvin's At least neck right Calvin too. went to a good purpose. Yes. Well, the sacrifice of my dog to me is like <laughs> part of the main point of this movie is that the least or most or the least desirable among us, a vampire. I mean, who who you know would be worse than a vampire? I think they're desirable. I know you do, Dave, but I'm talking like generally in like dramatic. I think a lot of people parlance. think of vampires are sexy. I think Daddy Pax was desirable. Well, okay, if we can set that argument aside, okay. my point right, being sorry. that um, the the traditional villain, the traditional movie bad person, turns out to be the one that is willing to sacrifice themselves for the betterment mm -hmm. of humanity. And I think there is a lot of sort of like um, contemporary racial commentary there, and and around issues like immigration in particular and things like Muslim bans and, uh, you know, the the fact that the terrorists, quote unquote, they're trying to make it look like what they're doing is they're trying to make it look like uh, an Islamic terrorist attack. It is a terrorist attack. It's just not an Islamic one, but that's what they're trying to make it look like. So the good guy in all of this turns out to be the traditional bad guy. They're willing to sacrifice a stranger's dog and themselves, their own lives, to try to save as many people as possible. I thought that was like a big message of this. 
I mean, part of them trying to stuff too much into this is there's so many like open-ended stories. So, well, I said I like the flashbacks. Like you said, Trent, it got a little much when she's going back to the house and trying to learn about the the vampire that bit her and the hijackers. So again, not only are there too many, you've got like a Sesame Street cast of hijackers, but you also never really know their intention. Like they make it a huge point to be like Dominic Purcell's character is the only one in communication with the leaders of this mission and the only one that knows their true intention. And then you have like these quick scenes where like people are theorizing like what the hijackers are doing. And you have like weird early news scenes in the movie where they're talking about how airline stocks are at an all time high. And then you have people on the plane that are like, why are they doing this? And, and what, why do they want to blow the plane up? And they're talking about like short selling, like maybe the mastermind behind this is like a master short seller and they want to short sell airline stocks. Like, honestly, this movie throws way too much at you to like, yes, it definitely does to digest even at, at an over two hour runtime. Uh, but somehow I still forgive it. You mentioned Kevin, this being a two watch minimum. Which I get again. I think is something that you always say. And yeah, I don't true. think it. I think it's well, a one watch. I think it. I agree no. though. I, I agree that it is not because not in the way that some movies are, but just because it does throw so much at you. I was yes. like, man, I now that I get everything, let me just now that I'm not spending the whole thing trying to rapidly sort all these things out in real time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really did like watching it a second time. I co- sort of relaxed. Like I know kind of, and now I can, now I can notice things that I didn't even really get. Cause I was so yeah. busy trying to keep up with all this stuff. And my, my final comment on this would be that the ending gets pretty over the top, but I think with it, when you're mashing up two genres like horror and action, that's just going to happen, and we suspend our disbelief all the time in horror. We talk about that. You have to do that even more in an action movie where um, Liam Neeson like jumps out of the jet and like <laughs> rappels onto the Statue of Liberty and then swings off. That t- you know, like the, the, the stuff you have to buy as an action fan is way worse right. than what we usually have to buy. I, I am with you one hundred percent. That's just I, how it goes. I mentioned Armageddon already because I watched Armageddon with my wife and daughter last night, and I was like, "Holy crap!" I have to like yeah, suspend yeah. way <laughs> less disbelief when I'm watching a horror movie than this bullshit. Exactly. <laughs> like, are you yeah, kidding yeah, me? Yeah, exactly. They have 17 days to land something on an asteroid and save the Earth, and they do it. With, <laughs> Sorry, spoiler alert. With Steven Tyler serenading them, the doing whole the entire time, soundtrack. The whole time. Steven Tyler singing while his daughter is having sex. Oh, well, That's I have weird. a feeling that the um, that the some of the most of the effects were practical only because of Elias's really earnest reactions he was uh, so good that kid was great huh? there are so many points where like his mom is like you know feeding on a a terrorist uh, after she kills him and the looks on his face and his expressions are just perfect so you know maybe i it like that was probably pretty unsettling to have that in front of you like the you know, the at the end of this, we've almost talked ourselves out of this movie a little bit. But <laughs> no, I love it. But I think it's I great. It. But it's just like it's not trained to Bassam because of yeah, XYZ. It's, it's, we're just being very self aware. Yeah. We right. can enjoy this. Right. You can also pull it off. Well, apart. You, you know, you're talking about sequels and we're talking about how compelling the characters are. And I think that in the essence is it is like the 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 family bond between the mother and child and then the really bad, bad guys. Um so I thought it was uh I thought it was pretty fun. 
I I would recommend it highly. So our second movie for Netflix and Kill was another recent re- recently released Netflix original, an Italian production called A Classic Horror Story, which is a pretty bold name for anybody to name their film. Uh, this is directed by two directors, Robert DeFeo and Paolo Estripoli. Mm-hmm. And DeFeo has, you know, a couple films to his name. Stripoli is all shorts. They are also co-writers of the film in a room that apparently needed five people to write this movie. So what we find oh. here is you have Fabrizio, who has just nicely decided he's going to drive his van and pick up a bunch of strangers who are all headed to the same part of Italy. So this is like some weird Uber thing, like Uber Max. Uh, <laughs> yes. And you find a bunch of people in this weird van. And Fabrizio is also doing Fabrizio and Friends, a, a video log, a video blog of their trip. So quickly you discover that uh, they're heading to something that, that they are not quite understanding. The van crashes. They find themselves in a very strange part of Italy in a very strange situation. And I guess a classic horror story or 75 older horror movies get mashed up. And that's what happens. Um, I was looking forward to this movie. It was somehow kept like very mysterious in all of its marketing. It also had uh, Matilda Lutz from the wonderful Shudder original Revenge as one of its starring characters. So I I was pretty hyped on this. Uh, Ultimately, I think it is very derivative. Uh, You don't see a lot of horror out of Italy, which I was also excited for. I'm I'm a huge fan of when an emerging market, foreign market gets going in horror. Uh, didn't, didn't love this. Watched it a bunch of times. I've seen this three or four times since it came out. Uh, I think it just kind of stumbled from, unlike Blood Red Sky that we just talked about, it had a very compact cast and still sort of a compact like environment and just somehow still didn't like really give me what I needed in terms of like character development and the twists ultimately just kept making it like more derivative and meta and not in like a good way. Mm. Um, so mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna give this one. There are Trent Trent's me. Uh, I'm gonna talk. <laughs> I'm gonna talk about things I liked about this movie just straight from the horror genre. But if you want to talk about A to Z, the totality of the movie, the whole 95 minutes that you watch it, uh, I think it missed its mark. Uh, Kat, what did you think of a classic horror story? You know, I liked the way the movie started off. It started off real strong. Uh, right, right away, you're like, cool, 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 cool. So it's going to be like this, like a torture scene, basically. Um, I would say I thought 
you know, as I was watching it, it was like a Blair Witch meets The Wicker Man meets Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which makes sense because of the title of the film. I'm like, okay, so they're just drawing these things for a quote unquote classic horror story. But it does take some interesting turns, as Kevin alluded to. Um, So definitely I felt it made itself its own kind of a situation, its own uh, horror film, if you will. A lot of gore, which I was into, a lot of eyeball stuff, uh, Mm. but you never really see anything (laughs) too horrific, um, in my (laughs) opinion. Your standards have changed. (laughs) I know. I'm like, (laughs) or is anything having to do with an eyeball? I'm like, nope. But now I'm like, well, they didn't like show it. So it's totally fine. That was medium eyeball. It was like a medium eyeball horror. But I think the worst scene for me to watch was the very misery esque um, Mm. ankling. The hobbling. The hobbling situation. The hobbling. For sure. That should Um, be a name of a movie. I was thinking that the final girl's pregnancy was kind of unnecessary through the whole Mm. thing. Like that that seemed kind of weird, right? I thought it made the I thought it made the creepy girl they find um, very powerful. Exactly. So that's what I was thinking the whole time. I was like, listen. Who cares if she's pregnant? Like, her mom's making her get an abortion because she's trying to, you know, do whatever. Like, be a career woman. You can't have both. Boo, 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 boo. Um, but then it does start to come into play with, like, the the child that she's now, in quote, unquote, in charge of. And then the ending, I felt like, you know, was kind of a powerful moment of being like, you know what? She's not going to do what anyone is telling her to do. She's going to she's gonna keep whatever the fuck she wants to keep. And that's... And that's a very pro-choice stance to take. And I thought that was very powerful. Um, But um, I don't know. Obviously, I like the little twist when it gets a little meta. But it seemed very, I don't know, it seemed odd, as Kevin kind of put it. Like, it seemed like I've been spending this entire film trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. Like, I spent, like, an hour or so trying to be like, okay, so this is happening, this is happening, this is happening. Oh, but now it's, like, this entirely meta thing, which I feel like I should have seen coming just from the title, because the character literally says, it's just, like, a classic horror film. And I'm like, oh, he said it. Oh, there it is. Like, oh. (laughs) Um, But I don't know. I thought it was, like, I definitely had a good for her moment, I think, at the end. I thought it was fun. I I don't know. It wasn't, like, the greatest horror film I've watched in the past however many years doing this podcast, but I didn't hate it. Um, I liked the sound design. I liked the soundtracks. It was very, you know, I've been to Sad Cowboys right now, so I was like super into it. Um, but the special effects were cool. Just a fun, just a fun little watch. Man, I loved this one. This this is my pick of the week. I mean, I loved both movies, Ooh. but a classic horror story would be if I could only have one of these in my recommendation library a classic horror story all the way i love this one uh first and i I should just want to uh put it right out there we just talked about american movie uh so i keep i can't not i keep mixing up a classic american horror movie story in this um so i'll probably do that but the the opening when it shows the the big trailer camper thing going through the woods and you have the title card which is like big bold block red letters that come up a classic horror story reminded me of like funny games or something Mm -hmm. and since this is a foreign language the first thing i thought when i saw the title card was i was wondering like well okay so i didn't realize it was italian 
um, so I was thinking, oh, a classic horror story. So it's probably actually the name of this. I was thinking it's probably like something like "In film en horror classique," you know, or something like that. <laughs> so then I was wow. really gratified when the guy does say it. That's like mm. how he says it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I was already happy there. Um, I just I loved all the references. I didn't think you know. The title says it all. Yeah, it is going through and it's giving you every reference. There's a reference to Sam Raimi by name. You know, I loved mm-hmm. that line. Like, well, we woke up in front of Sam Raimi's house. First off, <laughs> when Mark Fabrizio says, um, the Wicker Man, the eyeballs. The, I mean, by the end, you've got a double barrel shotgun in action, the homemade masks. Everything that we always talk about was done in this. And I thought it was done really well. I just, this is a good old fashioned, straight up, straight horror movie and I think it's one of the better new ones I've seen I loved it I was fired up when that first day of Netflix releases came out and I watched Blood Red Sky first and I was super fired up but I am in the same boat as you Trent that I would actually pick this movie over Blood Red Sky because of it being just kind of like a straight ahead backwood horror movie it reminded me of uh alexandra bustillo uh, like among the living well he was the guy that did inside but it it reminded me of of his stuff it not quite as good as like wolf creek but it also kind of gave me vibes of that the first scene of this movie the first gore scene they like shy away from it and i thought that they weren't going to give us the gore so i was like almost skeptical going in and then once shit hits the fan uh it really does and it's amazing um i love uh matilda lutz i didn't know it was up with like the jesus metaphor and the pregnancy and is that baby jesus i don't know what's going on with that (laughs) um but there was like this jesus metaphor with her or whatever um and the mafia has really evolved into something that I no longer recognize. <laughs> I, that's There's, this is no Sopranos. <laughs> yeah, I know. I that's the one angle I didn't, I'm, and I'm not trying to spoil anything because that is a. I, big, I will explain it all to you. That is a big spoiler, but the mafia is involved, mm. and maybe I'm a snitch for saying this. <gasps> you but know what happens the to mafia is involved, and they're really weird. They're they're kind of like adopted some. Uh, midsummer, uh, like Slavic type rituals, um, it reminded me they of the movie The Ritual. Money. But you know, if you if you pair this up with uh, you know Blood Red Sky, we talked about his house was my best of 2020, and then you have like the platform, like get I, in, get in, all great uh, Netflix all, movies. Yeah, mm-hmm. another great uh, best of 2020, I believe. And so, like, Netflix is killing it right now. And speaking of the mafia, Kevin, you mentioned, they mentioned in the movie, you talked about the lack of horror coming out of Italy right now. That's mentioned in the movie. It does get meta. I liked that it was meta. I, I, was into, I thought it did meta well. I thought, I don't it, was too late. It. I thought it was too late to rush, um, but, but go ahead. But you, they mentioned in the movie that there isn't any good horror coming out of Italy right now. It's not what the market calls for. I wouldn't know that, but they talk about it, and I know that there aren't that many new ones that we come across, but it's ironic because we always talk about classic Italian horror. Mm-hmm. Sure, Italy laid so many of the foundations from the giallo to the zombie stuff to Dario Argento, the Mondo cannibal. Like 
they're you know all through horror history but yeah it seems like a, a slow time right now so i thought that was interesting and yeah hey great to see i don't know alisa like literally saying like your movie sucks it's oh. a ripoff of so many others it's very self-referential and i did want to mention too cat you you said that you didn't think the pregnancy thing was i would agree with you because that that sets you up because this is your final girl and that the mm-hmm. first thing that it tells you is that you know her pregnancy situation but after that, like I forgot that that was even a fact. It, it just never really comes no, up. No, it doesn't really come up the, until like the other the woman is like, "Hey, you're pregnant, right?" And she's like, "How did you know?" And it's like, "Okay, well, well what does that have to do?" Thing with- so you're not like a virginal sacrifice. You're not like it. Just didn't. It seemed unnecessary until the end when they're like when she's like. This is powerful for me. It's five like rubbing writers. Rubbing my tummy. I, I didn't even notice that. It's when you have five yeah. writers on a movie. Yeah, that was amazing. Five writers. Well, That's I thought many. five writers. They're all going to be like, well, I want to take like, for this sure. character, and to I want to take terrorists. this. I want to take this angle. Um, okay, here's what I did like. Mm. Sound design, Trent. You mentioned really good. I think Cat mentioned that actually. What the the sound? Yes. Sorry, Cat. <laughs> okay, so we're going to cut this. We're not really going to cut this, but I'm going to keep talking. To you. Cat, when you mentioned sound design, spot on. Thank you. It did actually make it scary. It was good. And actually, it added some like comedic elements, especially yeah. as the movie got more meta. They almost like upped the volume and upped like the ridiculous sounds like that the they were doing. Because like when I say sound design, I don't just mean like the music. Like there was just some like really good crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a like red light aspect that they have because these people crash. They, they crash into a tree on a road. They go to sleep and then they wake up in the middle of a field in their camper, not on the road they crashed off of. And there's just a house there. And then when night falls, a red light just flashes somehow over the entire area they're on. And then this siren happens. Mm. It's so cliche. It's been done so many times, but it's very, very impactful. It's effective. It's really good. It's so effective. There's yeah. also a scene where they're exploring this house and they're trying to figure out what's going on. And then you get the hobbling, uh, very misery. But then you get like they want, they need to get out of this area of the house. And you have like a classic Texas chainsaw moment where they find all the other cars. Yes. Love that. Um, yeah. And it shouldn't work, but it did. And you know why? Because they're there. They do suck you into the scene and some of the characters like it's the classic we should stick together, but we're just going to start fighting. And then the siren goes off again. And I thought that was very impactful. And then the mafia thing, Dave, I'll give their their greatest accomplishment, I think, is somehow tying the Italian mafia Mm. into a derivative classic horror story and doing it in the way that they did it. And they're focused on viral videos. I mean, what is going on here? I mean, that's what... I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to me if the mafia, mafia is really as progressive at making money as they, they be have been in the past. Yeah. They should be influencers and they should be right. on the internet. And maybe this is what it's like. And they wear these weird tree masks. <laughs> um, I like the masks in this. There is an element that's unnecessary, but I like it. Uh, which is like the Blair Witch. It's the structures made That's out Wicker of Man. bucolic things. Yeah, I thought it was more Wicker Man. It's Wicker yeah. Man, Blair Witch. It's it's all there. Take your pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's weird folklore. But the monsters, yeah. like the main monsters, that I thought that was going to be scary. I love I thought, the monsters. Yeah, I was super kind of pumped about that. To be honest, like that weird folklore that was happening, I was like, oh fuck yeah, this is what it's all about. 
was the was the wow. girl um a kid gets it in this it's awesome mm, yeah it's great, great. um well. great. now he, her brother mentioned calls her a midget well and i was wondering if she was actually a child or if she was like the girl from like the orphan or whatever no i think <laughs> i think she was just a small child she was, yeah, she was, she was just a I child think she was a child yeah. i did well, love that moment though i think that was yeah you want moment. you wanted the kid to get it uh, yeah all of right. course yeah after all that as soon as she <laughs> opens that door i'm like yeah at get the beginning it. when he's doing like oh it's called fabrizio and friends or whatever and one of the one of the passengers in the van is like oh well that's like a clever name or something he's like my little sister thought of it Oh, no. and then we're watching man. it now, and like, there's a scene where somebody's that. reading a paper. I still don't. And it's the mayor. Where Mark? So Mark is a British citizen, I believe, who mm-hmm. is his girlfriend is there as well, Sophia, mm-hmm. and he's reading a paper, and Fabrizio is kind of like translating it for him. It literally maps out the movie. It's a total midsummer no, it does deal not. where the paper yeah, basically yeah. maps out the movie for you. Yeah, that um, I was thinking that too. If only I could read Italian. Or you just got to listen to like how Fabrizio you again. Not to sound like a broken record, this is a multi-watch movie if you want to catch everything. Cuz it cuz it did remind me a little bit of one of my favorite movies of all time, Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, mm. this where I like this better. There's yeah. a faction Whoa. of people that know what's going on behind the scenes that yeah, never say that again or I might quit I'll, the podcast. <laughs> um, no, or at least miss my first episode ever. Um no. hey, call them like I see them. Hey, uh, I, I might There's people that know what's going on behind the scenes. And there's people involved in it that have no idea how they're being manipulated. Mm. So, yeah, there's a lot of like really good clues once you've seen the movie and you go back to see it again. You know, um, I think they, the way we talked ourselves out of the last movie, I feel like you're talking yourself into this movie because <laughs> you started off saying about how much you didn't like this. Tepid, very tepid. And now <laughs> you're pointing out all these great things about it. I do think it was a little too long. But I do think it was great. Like I like all the characters, and I like the setting, uh, and I like that because it's called a classic horror story. You expect it to be cliche and derivative, mm-hmm. and it's not really even about that. But you expect like Jason to jump out and it to be like a super meta thing. It doesn't go that yeah. far, right? Um, so I, I was relieved when it was actually like a serious movie. I'm surprised that you the... got past like the comment about Titanic oh, and, uh, and having yeah. room yeah. on the door for Leo. Like, yeah, that it, was... it, it took it over the top, I thought, with the meta. Well, uh, but they're in Italy talking about this shit. So you, it, it hits different to me. Talking down to Italy? Like what? They, did they just get Titanic? Hey, maybe, Italy loves maybe. us. Wait, if, let's all just take a beat. No, I'm defending. I, know, I would if like I could, to say Italy is our number one fan, so we go. should stop up, talking about... Foreign correspondent, Chris. Hello. We love Hi, you. hello. We love you. No, I'm, I'm saying that, you know, I'm not saying Italians are behind and they haven't seen that. I'm just saying that um, it just hits differently. I'm a, I'm a sucker for, like, foreign language movies for some reason. I'll always, I don't know, I'll, I'll forgive more maybe because it just seems, like, cooler to me. Or maybe we, it, we just don't get it. We don't understand like it. In a foreign language. Yeah, yeah. Or I, yeah maybe I don't. <laughs> but don't I just, it. it lends more gravity to everything. It just seems like more serious and, and more uh, artistic <laughs> to me if it's in a foreign language. In this movie, uh, as well as Blood Red Sky, they both have multiple 
languages going on the whole time. Oh, yeah, and Kevin, you, you mentioned four uh, movies. Yeah, you mentioned off the show. Yeah, um, Blood Red Skies. I don't know if we said it was a German and and British production, but you mentioned off the show that the subtitle action that happens when you have like multiple languages, including English, going on the whole time. Yes. The subtitles get really weird because it's like characters are saying there's even the characters are speaking multiple languages throughout the movie so you have this yes. whole mix going and on the subtitles are only happening when it's in german for yeah, Blood Red Sky then, or italian for classic right, horror but story. then they'll say something in english but then it's and then all the english-speaking people have accents yes yeah i mean yes. it is a it is a mental like <laughs> gymnastics event it is to like get yeah. through the dialogue yeah. i i watched it with the dubs I watched it dubbed. I did too. Okay. Because Ooh. I can't be... Here, here's the thing. Spoon I can't feet. be expected to watch words for two hours almost. Okay. I well, got you other are things a Zoomer. Going on. You, that's, you, that's your job, you know? You, I'm a what? Aren't you like a Zoomer? A know? Zoomer? Yeah. Like Generation Z? She's a millennial, I'm a I mil- think. not a millennial. One, I am well, you're 29 a years old. Yeah. Aren't millennials like 35 now? No. Well... Should probably cut What's out her cut age. Off? I'd like to look it up. We don't need up. stalkers. We, uh, we already have too many stalkers like that. Sure. Asking for t-shirts to cut the sleeves <laughs> off and shit. Like, don't give out any more personal information. Kat. Yeah, she has to look at her DMs. Here's she my get... DM. CTSmith at Instagram.com. <laughs> <laughs> Fellas, hit her up. Hey, Hot Girl Summer. Hot Girl single, Summer. Neon Summer. Snake Skin <laughs> Summer. Uh, sad Bitch Summer. Hashtag, hashtag, hashtag. Um... What was I going to talk about? Hold on. Anyway, okay. Let's talk about your Instagram. No. <laughs> well, actually, now that you mentioned it. it. Got it. I don't want to talk about Instagram. I've left it. Here's the thing. I've left my Instagram off of private because I'm trying to promote this podcast, but it has unleashed many a weird DM, <laughs> I, I will say. It's the dark side of hot girl summer. It is. <laughs> yeah, the DMs again. The sad bitch summer has come too out. Too many terrorists in the DMs too many, uh, would be my Too guess. many snakes on this motherfucking plane. Um, when Fabrizio showed up, I immediately was like, well, he's going to be the first one to die. This is great. But then, because I was thinking he was like a Texas Chainsaw yeah. Massacre. Franklin. Yeah. Franklin. Franklin situation. That's what yeah. I thought. I was like, he's the nerd. He's the weird guy that needs help with everything. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, man. Were we bamboozled on that one? Mm. I will say. Yeah, but that that's a classic character. Like you said, like Franklin. Um, who's the Friday the 13th guy? Shirley or Kevin, you know. Yeah. What? Who's the curly-haired Fabrizio from Friday the Thirteenth Part Three? Oh, I know who you're talking about, but I don't know the name. He gets yeah. he gets the uh, the 3D arrow. Yeah, you don't remember that guy? He was the jokester, the funny yeah. guy, yeah. looking for trying to get his wallet out of the lake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's always one of those guys. So that was kind of true true to form. Well, I mean, if we're if we're entering, we're kind of late into the show now. If we're entering into like potential <laughs> spoiler type stuff, like. You want to do a spoiler round? This when, is a spoiler-heavy movie. When if you want to, Fabrizio yeah, is like talking about how like the mafia is involved, and he's talking about like the three mob bosses, and he's talking about how like the original three founders of the mafia are now like Freddie, Jason, and Leatherface. <laughs> I was like, dude, yeah. this is getting way too campy. Like, I didn't care at that point. Oh, You're right. You're now you can make it sound pretty cheesy, but. I thought it worked within... Make it sound pretty cheesy. <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's about if it works to me, if it works within what it's doing, if it operates within the world that it sets up and it does that well, then that's different than if it doesn't do it well. So I think it's only because it's you know, Italian. 
Um, no, no, I would disagree. I would disagree. It's it's the tonal shift in the movie. There, it's very jarring. Hmm. It's it's very slow to set up, and then when they get to the crash and they wake up in the field and they have the house to explore, and some of them start disappearing and things start happening. That's also kind of slow, and then all of a sudden you have um, Matilda Lutz's character, Elisa, wake up. And like a ton of shit starts happening and it gets like super heavy with like Midsummer Wicker Man type stuff and ritualistic. And then all of a sudden it flips again into like full meta mode and Elisa going into full revenge mode. Like it's it's just like it's choppy. It feels like five people wrote it and everybody was like, no, but this is my best idea. Mm. So okay, so that will be this twenty minutes of the movie. Oh, but this mm. was my best idea. Mm-hmm. Well, that'll be your twenty minutes of the movie, and we'll find a way to pull a thread through the whole thing. I I like parts of it, like you guys said. Like I am talking favorably about parts of the movie. I just don't think that they ever successfully pulled a thread through the entire thing. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like you should never have more than two writers on a movie ever. I, ever. I, that's fair. That's yeah, fair, and that's that's a criticism fair. I have for a lot of movies, but. To me, I criticize that when it's obvious to me that there's five writers on it or what you get a lot of times is movies that have been rewritten several times by different teams, different oh, over yeah. the production hell or the development hell of the movie. It's There's so many hands in it and it shows. To me, I didn't, I, I, I did see that. I might not have seen that until after I watched it. So I wasn't aware of that when I was watching it and I didn't, didn't really... To me, I didn't get the choppiness. I did get though one thing. This made me. This movie made me think of in among all the references that it's doing and all the cliches and um, the derivative stuff, which I I thought was just more like paying tribute. But I have seen somebody pull their hands or limbs <gasps> oh. up off of nails so many times in my life. I have seen the somebody be nailed to something physically and have to pull as the only way they can escape. Have to pull their limb up off the nail and this movie gives you that i i liked the gore in this though i like the death scenes it it almost to me could that almost carries it like a final destination or something i i used to have the dvd of that and i'd just skip through and just watch the death scenes which was every other chapter (laughs) in this like i thought there's some really solid death scenes and that first one did throw me off and i didn't expect yeah when they got really gory with it but it is classic in that as soon as it says that it's a classic horror story then you suspend your disbelief and you you give it a pass on a lot of things yes so like because that's like that's it's stated that that's what we're going to do here so then you know i'm not maybe i I just it just again it just depends on what is trying to be done to me Um, kevin you mentioned the classic vehicle graveyard that's you know that's like so classic that it's a real life thing for me when I'm going somewhere that I'm not sure about. If I see like uh, like two or three cars out on the side of the house or out back, that's a major red flag for I'm me. Out. Um, I do want to like go full spoiler. So if if people haven't heard this, like I want to get into like the mafia aspect of this because mm. th- this did interest the hell out of me. How? So if you haven't seen this, stop listening. Go watch the movie. Return to the last like few minutes of this. I episode. wish you just got straight up Godfather at the end. I would have loved that. <laughs> yeah, that would have. Yes, <laughs> uh, Dave. That's Make what I thought offer. was going to happen. You can't refuse. Um, yeah, but you had another half hour. It was only an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're essentially talking about how the the mafia has 
devolved, I guess, into making like snuff films. Mm-hmm. And they're buying this snuff real. films, and that's how this like family and this this cult, I guess you would call it, is like financing themselves and keeping themselves alive. Is, in this movie or in real life? In this movie. Okay, well, I thought you had like some true thing you were getting into, <laughs> no, some I, historical I do, shit. So like, part I thought of the you were movie is that. they keep talking about like when they first get to the house, the weird house we talked about. They find the picture of the three figures. And you're like, what the fuck is that all about? And they're talking about how it's like, like, like what the eyes, the ears, and the tongue. So right. I was surprised you said you liked the death scenes because I thought they were very anticlimactic. Hmm. It was just like, okay, they talked about eyes, ears, and tongue. All right, they're going to cut out some eyes, some ears, some tongue. They're going to put it on these weird like figures. And then they just slit their throats very unceremoniously. Hmm, but what they're talking about is... I mean, it, was kind, it was quite a ceremony. I don't know how much more ceremony you want to? I mean, that's the definition. There was a whole of a like ceremony. Wicker Man and <laughs> flames, and there was a whole audience and masks. Yeah, I mean, these are the people that have been trying to get me to up my standards. Who they <laughs> are trying to just drive them back down to this level of a mediocre <laughs> horror movie. Yeah, we've. But what they're talking about is like the three godfathers of what we know as the Italian mafia, and they talk about it. They talk about Oso, Mastroso, and Carcagnoso. They want tongues, ears, and eyes. And what it is, is back in 15th century Spain, the three were brothers and part of a religious group called La Guardiana. When their sister was raped, they decided to kill the man who did it, which led to their banishment to Favignana, one of the Sicilian islands. They were imprisoned. They wrote rules for a new society run by their own code of ethics, and they devoted themselves to Jesus Christ, St. Michael, and the archangel, St. Peter. After being released 30 years later, they swore to abide by the code that they'd written. Oso created the honored men of Sicily. Mastroso and Carcagnosa went to mainland Italy. Mastroso created the honored men of Calabria, and Carcagnoso formed the honored men of Campania. The honored men of Calabria is better known as the Nadrangata, which is in the paper that Mark is reading and that Fabrizio is talking about, and they talk about uh, Nadrangata a bunch. So I think that's what we're seeing here, is that's a faction of that family. And they're known as an organized crime group that would go on to take in revenue greater than many European countries' entire revenue that they would take in. Um, the honored men of Campania, which is Carcagnosa's, their future boss would later create the youngest of Italy's four major organized crime groups, Sacra Corona Unita, in 1981. Uh, cops even show up in act three of this movie and are shown to be like complicit. So it's sort of talking about, Oh, you're just going to cut this whole section. All right. No, please. No, I was I'm telling him, to, I was telling him to kill the tequila. Yeah. Hey, it had hey. nothing to do with you. Just continue. So anyway, that's how this all ties into like the mafia. So moral of the story is mafia is great because they were pissed about some woman getting that raped. Apparently the mafia started in 15th century Spain. And I'll take it. And but it's showing how they devolved into. But I think what they're talking about here is like the Nandrangata. Anyway. Great job! I um, like this any shit. Any of that? Made so sense. this is the shit um, that I'm into. Like I'm gonna I, say on record, I'm pro mafia. Oh, pro mafia! I'm pro. We're rehabbing the mafia now. Yeah. Yes. I guess if I'm gonna give a um, a sort of a bookend to this episode, I think that. These movies are both very impressive in that, in one way, um, these are, if not first time 
directors and writers and filmmakers. These are very young, or if they're not young chronologically, these aren't people that we've heard from before, certainly not on this show. And I haven't heard from these people outside of the show. So I think that these are both two very promising demonstrations of new talent. And we love to talk about the classics and the underseen classics. And it's always really fun to see something brand new today that is somebody doing something brand new and that it's really good. And I, I loved both of these. I, I said I would pick a classic horror story, but I loved uh, Blood Red Sky. And I, I would recommend both of them. And it's nice to be over on Netflix. You know, we only have so much time in a week and so much time on the show to talk about stuff. So um, I was very happy to have both of these movies out and I would recommend both of them highly. 